Welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 21, aka No Fucking Respite. It's a fall bout all 525 songs greeting each other in a supreme lion heart, eyeball to eyeball, atomized thing in four terms. 77, 85, 86 to 93, 94 to 2001, and 2002 to 2017. And joined tonight by Monsieur Pippington Beard, splattering Tizer on the anti-clockwise Widdishams. How are you, Philip? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Very good. And uh, Lord, Lord Sage Temple over there, tottering precipitously on Windsor's peaks. Quote, I get vertigo and I like it. How are you? Top shelf. Good. And <laughs> Pemberton Walker on a day-to-day mission to keep his tighty whities streak-free. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I'm sat on a chair, as I mentioned earlier. Very good. You did off. That was off screen. But now the, the uh, populace can share in that, that wonderful knowledge. An invisible Jay Peel, his presence is strong on the Eldritch Rice paper. Will he be joining us tonight? He certainly will. Excellent. And uh, joined... By a wonderful guest, my good friend Stevie D, aka Kumori Otoko, who plays in a wonderful band called Fancy Milk. How are you, Stephen? Doing well. Thanks for inviting me on tonight with the rest of your esteemed panel. Exactly. Looking forward to it. And my question to you, Steve, is what is the fall? To be fair, you gave me a little time to think about this one. I would say it's a funhouse mirror version of the maze from The Shining. That's the fall. So good, I think you nailed it. Off to a good start. Yeah, so we jump straight into it. Today, we have two by four uh, off Wonderful and Frightening up against And This Day off Hex Induction Out. Oswald Defense Lawyer and Get a Hotel up against each other off Friends Experiment. Ibis Afro Man off What Is It Off? Are You Are Missing Winner up against I'm Not Satisfied. And uh, Tommy Shooter up against Funnel of Love, a cover that Ezra loves. Brought it up like 10 times already, so I'm happy. We're happy to take that one down. <laughs> so up first, we have two by four, two X four, if you're reading along. Philip, could you give us a blast? <laughs> Philip, my good friend, you're up first. What do you make to two by four? It's quite a jolly little number, this, isn't it? Um, I, I really like the intro to it, really solid. It's very ambiguous, I think, in 
when I was I was trying to piece it together what it's on about, but it did remind me a bit of Go to the Quantifier, where it's a bit of the poor, poor kind of references going in. I, I like Smithy's delivery on it. He, he doesn't seem to be uh, tied down to what anybody else is playing. He just kind of runs roughshod over some of the uh, the different uh, musical bits that are going on, and it's and it's just a really solid break as well that delivers every time. So yeah, it's, it's a nice solid number. This. Nice, nice, Ezra. What do you make to this? Yeah, it's an excellent track off an excellent album. There was a few tracks today which gave me really interesting visions, and this one brought to mind a kind of a band dance in a village hall where, like, um, you know, people are getting stabbed in the back off camera, and there's some kind of generational and also kind of class-based warfare going on in the guise of like some kind of old-timey ritual. And it's from a very pagan album with a real kind of Quartermassy, Twilight Zone kind of vibe to it. So yeah, you know, I, I really, really like it. One of my favorite lyrics would be, Old Nick doesn't go from digs to digs no more, hit him on the head with a two by four. Nowadays he has a Georgian glazed porch. And I also found out or realized that the last line, I'll read the last um, maybe few lines, there's a new fiend on the loose, jolting in his tradition. It's a fear of the obtuse. He's got patents on the moaning. So on the annotated fall, it reads, he's got parents on the moaning. But if you listen closely, clearly hear patents, which makes more sense. But yeah, it's fantastic. In one fell swoop, you tear our world to pieces. Are you saying we can no longer re rely on the annotated fall? Good Lord. Stevie D, what do you make of uh, 2 by 4 Yeah, I really I really dug this tune. I love that that gnarly bass riff at the beginning. It's got a great solid groove. Um, I think to Ezra's point, I feel like this song could be in Peaky Blinders. They've always got great, great music in there that's a little a little on edge, a lot of Nick Cave and stuff. I feel like this one could be in there. I'm just wondering what an exhaust clip is. So <laughs> I went through the annotated fall as well. And I, I, I'm not sure if that's a uh, an English term or what. I've never heard of an exhaust clip. Me either. No, I mean, unless it's the clip that holds your exhaust pipe on, but uh, it's, a, it's a weird... Uh... It is a weird reference. The whole song's somewhat lyrically weird. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Phil on this kind of uh, ambiguous but cartoony violence. Kind of, there's a suggestion that you know using using a two by four to smack the devil around and uh, you know put on an iron shirt and chase it's the devil bit, out of earth. It's a bit punch and Judy, that isn't it? Like the old slapstick when the devil turns up. Yeah, he dances around it a little bit. He doesn't really make it too direct. He's nice, twangy, syncopated. Bricks brings the energetic kind of like chanting party kind of vibe to it. That's something she's like, it's her first kind of album. Is the chorus in 5-4? Stevie, you're, you're a musician. Would you would you say this is in 5-4, even 10-4? It, se it seemed like it probably was in 5-4, yeah. Al, what do you make of 2x4, a.k.a. Fiend with a Violin? I also do not know what an exhaust clip is. Uh, however, I did remember in Brits' book of trying to explain what a two by four was, as if British people didn't know what it was, uh, <laughs> which I thought was like a bit odd. But yeah, it's it's a, a folk classic, in it? It's, it's a really solid, solid tune. Amazing bass line. There's very good live TV one, which sounds like really, really raw. And again, it kind of demonstrates the, the weaknesses in the, the production. They've uh, 
snaps the energy out of it a little bit. Maybe they should have gone for, you know, a little bit more of a rough and ready approach to it, a bit more of a live kind of feel. But yeah, it's it's, it's an absolutely fantastic tune, completely rocks out. Yeah, so there's that version on the tube, right? So they do Smile and 2 by it's really good. Yeah, I like that stuttering kind of bass riff. Hanley's holding holding it down. Use the table leg to club son-in-law. I was saying it's like it's a really, really simple bass line, but it's all kind of like down to the rhythm and just like little, slight little changes in there that, that, that keep it interesting. So you do something like dun, 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 this kind of like stuttering thing, and it reminded me of uh, Phil. What's the what's the Led Zeppelin song where Jimmy Page kind of is it Black Dog or Rock and Roll? Where it's kind of the the riff is just kind of a bit Black wrong. Black Dog, yeah, right? it's, Black Dog yeah. it's just not quite smooth, but it it works perfectly. All in all, a top-notch tune. Let's see what John Peel has to say from Beyond the Grave. He's scribed in childlike bruises on my arm. This is a filthy chugging beast of an album opener. Mez is in full megaphone mode. The drums have a really wild stereo effect too, which accentuates the strong drive of the track. Great bricks, vocals, great work from the Hanleys and a great contrast between bluesy and surfy guitar and the occasional bit of scree, top class. Okay, let's move on to the monolith that is And This Day off Hex Induction Hour. Plays the whole thing, Phil, if you don't mind. That's about as much as you need, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, it tells you everything you need to know. You go for a bit more? Go on then. isn't it thank you Ezra what does uh, this do for you well it's you know I mean credit to the fold for putting this at the end of Hex Induction Hour first of all because Hex Induction Hour of course is a legendary album with lots of dense brutal tracks on it and by the time you get to the end you know you might feel like Iceland should really be the end of the album because it's got a nice slightly more mellow kind of send off but then this comes in and it took me years to actually listen to this all the way through to the end. It's really pushing the envelope of listenability. And it, it's been interesting to listen to it out of context of the album um, because it's really, really grown on me. I already had a, shall we say, grudging respect for it, but it, you know, like it's this incredibly grueling piece of music where it sounds like all of the musicians are trying to escape by improvising and trying to wrestle their way out of this bin liner of a track and failing. And it's got these great, like, kind of Wurlitzer-style keys in it. The lyrics, it sounds like it's describing a really, really fucking bad trip. It's like, on this day, no matter what, and never who or who fills baskets or who's just there, the surroundings are screaming on the roads. So you even mistrust your own feelings, seen from a bottom glass foot sig. And I'm sure we've all in our rowdier days been on the wrong end of a pint or bottle of beer which has had a cigarette extinguished in it. And so you just know exactly that feeling. And it seems so apocalyptic. And, you know, his voice breaks up into just shards of like kind of cutting vowel sounds on a lot of it. And, yeah, you know, I've, I've grown to quite like it. Beautiful. Stevie, what do you make of uh, And This Day? 
Yeah, so reading the annotated fall, it looked like this is a kind of a, a track that divides people. I love the scrunky nature of it. I'm into it. I think it could be just as effective at four minutes instead of nine. But I feel like I, one of my notes was the fall is can. I feel like maybe this is like the fall's take on um, can a little bit. And it seems like he's just kind of improving the lyrics, like lots of non sequiturs and, and random stuff that I think in the, the annotated lyrics were just like question marks or something. It's just like some garbling stuff where he, he trails off. But uh, I do love it. And I agree with Phil, who said about the, the Wurlitzer. I, I like that coming in towards the end. And, and the penny whistle was nice, but um, I think they could have shaved it down to a, a tight and sweet four minutes and still got the same effect. But I also hear that the live version, it's probably a lot different to see live. It's probably a lot more powerful and and uh, you can, you can uh, put up with the nine to 25 minutes worth of whatever it is live as opposed to on record. Sweet. And uh, Alistair, what do you make of And This Day? I've got to say, got a great sort of moronic fuck you bass in it with uh, a mad bloke shooting over the top and then uh, the guitar starts on in it and it just sounds like some kind of itinerant musician that's just sustained a head injury has just joined in and uh, none of them know where to stop some great uh, rhythms with the percussion and sounds like he's, he's having a lot of fun love all the feedback love all the noise yeah proper music for me this this is like a, the, the, the kind of stuff that it's, it's just so annoying it's it's, it's, it's beautiful I can't fault it. And the keyboards reminded me a bit of the mummies. Nice. It's beautiful. It's, it is like um, just a textured wall. And yeah, it took me years to even give this time of day. And it's like, once you start listening, you do start to pick things out. But it, me and Phil had the chat about it being jazz or anti-jazz. And it's like, the, it for me, it feels like everyone has a go of trying to do take a solo or drop a break in there, but they're the only one who's doing it. And the, you can imagine looking around the room, like nodding and nobody else so they try and do like there'll be a there'll be a guitar break or a drum break or it was like but but none of the rest of the band follow it they all just carry on like plowing the it's like the musicians can't hear each other that that's really interesting yeah like, it is like a collage you know and you can keep picking out bits of it because it keeps on just shifting all the time uh there's different parts coming in you know it's a proper good jam day song yeah like beautiful like abrasive guitar in there and um yeah, I really, really like it as a piece. We we, we gave uh, Daz Boat a lot of love last week, which is uh, has a lot of similarities uh, in some ways of it just, it can be easy to dismiss, but if you give it the time. And, and lyrically, yeah, like a bit of reportage almost. I imagine every time he sings that he is just bringing stuff he's seen um, on this day. He could do it every night like a, like a news report. Almost. I think it would be another great fall song for for a kind of horror film uh it's got that real sort of brooding darkness to it as well similarly you know to what they did with silence of the lambs with the hit priest yeah one of the comments on the site was you know the, this fellow saw it live and it was really pulsating two drummers and organ going on and mez went off stage for an extended period and then he just comes back on with it with a with a raging intensity and finished the song um it sounds beautiful the runny nose perhaps maybe 
What do you make to this film? Um, I, I, I like where Alistair was going about the whole horror movie soundtrack thing. I think that, that totally resonates with me, although I think it'd be more Vincent Price than kind of Saw. It's uh, it, it's almost like the, the spooky skeleton dance kind of thing, isn't it? Bit in the pendulum, some of the Edgar Allan Poe ones that he was in. Yeah, yeah, Roger Corman type stuff. I, I could totally see it in something like that. It's And I, I, I think Ezra sort of nailed it for me, really, because it's... It feels like an endurance event to start off with when you're the first couple of times you listen to it. But like you were saying, the more times you listen to it, the more you start piecing it together. I believe it was edited down from a much longer take. Can't if you listen carefully, you can see the, the joins in it. It really there's I've got a memory of I think it's Tortoise did a video where they did one of their songs and then every every, every time if someone has a solo piece in it, the rest of the band kind of pull the face and roll their eyes or totter something every time somebody does something. It reminded me a little bit of that, as that that whole kind of ignoring it every time somebody tries to do something in the song. In the whole structure, it's it's like a three-part piece is, is the way I heard it. There's there's loads of... Noodling is not something we associate with the fall. There's loads of noodling going on in there. There's the bass noodle that starts about five minutes in. And then about seven minutes in, there's a really nice short feedback solo. And then about sort of eight minutes, you get this whispered outro kind of thing that's going on with it. So it's there's loads of ideas floating around and I thought what was interesting is something that the fall do that I've, I've noticed quite a lot from doing this is that the guitar is what seems to hold it all together everybody else is doing freeform stuff but the guitar is the repetitive bit although it's almost like performing like the rhythm section so yeah so I went from seeing it on the playlist this week and groaning and a little part of me dying inside thinking oh shit I've got to listen to this seven times this week to actually quite getting into it and I've, I've really enjoyed getting into it it's interesting like it was edited down from a 20 minute jam and I've never been able to really make out the cuts to get back to that can reference you know like the one of the really great tracks on their first album You Do Right was edited down from an even longer session right so I, I suppose that can analogy does kind of bear up doesn't it yeah I mean we bring up can a lot and it's, the only thing that, that disappointed me about the editing down was it seemed to have been done to make Hex be exactly 60 minutes and I uh the concept yeah. album, Brendan. That's how it works. <laughs> it is. Concept. This is a concept song, and 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 this is the thing—the no respite thing. I just wondered within the room how much he kind of pushed that concept on everybody, but it's definitely there. Oh, this fucking day will never end. What's Peel think? On this day, fucking brutal. I'm not sure the fall were ever this relentless again while still being good. That said, I don't really find myself wanting to listen to this too often. And I think that with a little more focus and time, this could have been honed down into an absolutely sublime song. It sort of makes me think of the really menacing bits of smile, but without the necessary ebb and flow that makes that song so effective. Poignant as ever. So let's take a vote. Phil, which side are you coming down on? I'm going to go with on this day. I knew you would. I knew you would. You're a very clever lad. <laughs> Ezra? Well, you know, 2 by 4 is great, and as much as I love the imagery of, like, a tiny devil riding an exhaust pipe with a Marquis Smith mask and a violin and satanic pagan band dances, I'm going with and this day. <sighs> la la. All right, Peely. Um, 2 by 4 He's gone for 2 by 4 yeah. Wait, it's, two, it's 2 to 1 Stevie? Yeah, I do love End This Day, uh, but my vote was for 2 by 4 Going down to the wire, Alistair. On this day, uh, it's just uh, an amazing thing. Okie dokie, and I'm going for 2 by 4 So we're going to the fingers. 
So here you are. We're gonna get. We're gonna assume Peely's gone two to one for uh, for a two by four. Is that a fa- is that a fair estimation? I don't know. I don't know. He seems pretty positive about two by four. Three zero. Come on. Three zero. Yeah. Really? So oh, I'm going to say the name of the song, and you have up to three points. You can either give three, two, one, or zero to the song. Hold up your fingers now. Don't cheat, because I'll I'll have to count. I'll add up your numbers and see whether they equal three. Uh, hold up your fingers for two by four. Okay. We have two, four, five, six. Ezra's at zero. And um, I'm, I'm putting Peely at either two or three. So that kicks it to either eight or nine. And out of three, four, and this day. And that gives us three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And Peely's given it at least one, so that makes it at least 10. And this day goes through. What a convoluted way to make a decision. And the wrong one at that. Here's the Duckworth Lewis method next time. Okie dokie. Moving on to Oswald, defence lawyer, embracing the scruffed corpse of Mark Twain. Stephen, come to you first. What do you make to this? I think uh, first off, I noticed uh, production-wise, like much different than uh, the first two tunes. Very much more professional uh, than the other stuff that's a little more rough and ready. I liked how um, they would kind of drop that production out and then bring it back in, like after the the chorus or whatever, and then kind of bring it back in. So I kind of like that. It was interesting that uh, the lyrics were so... American focused. Usually that's not something I've, I've gotten from the fall before. So he must, must have been really into uh, that special that was on the TV or I really, I, I enjoyed the tune and this and the next one, it was really hard for me to make a decision. But I think my favorite part is, is when he goes falsetto for the lawyer. I don't think I've heard um, MES do anything like that before. So good, good tune. I like it. Yeah, not afraid to experiment with his vocal range. He has a, a nine octave range, apparently. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. He's, he's like Captain Beefheart of England. He's better. He's Captain Beefheart plus one. That's what we that's what we call him. <laughs> Alistair, what about this for you? I also enjoyed the uh, the falsetto vocals, and there's quite a, a, a lot of it in there as well. It's uh, dead funny. <laughs> no shame there whatsoever. It's just like fuck you and doing it. But yeah, there's a big old story behind it. I'll let somebody else go into that. Uh, but yeah, it's a decent pop tune with some interesting lyrics. You know, it'll do. Aye. Mm, it'll do. That'll do, pig. Phil? 
Yeah, it's beautiful, that falsetto, isn't it? It's probably the best bit in the song, to be honest with you. And I, I do like the fact that he, his choir boy falsetto voice is like the naughty school boy that's been told to get up and perform something in front of the whole school. It's It's got that kind of edge to it, which uh, is pure mess. I like the whole like, brute side of it all. It's it, it's a strange tempo, the song. It's uh, The speed of it seems slightly uncomfortable all the way through. A bit like what Parliament do with funk, where it's just a little bit slower than what you'd expect to do. The, the lyrical side of it as well, Mez finds himself back in conspiracy land with uh, the whole JFK stuff. I, I've never seen any references to him about reading J.G. Ballard, but this was a, a Ballard obsession as well, wasn't it? And it's I, I suspect he's one of those kind of writers that Mez would be into. There's also like a B-farty kind of feel as well with the term. Does he, do they rip off a B-fart song? I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Like, dun, 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 That's ringing a bell for me. But the, the other thing that I noticed was um, the laughing whilst singing bit comes into it as well. There's a few lyrics he delivers whilst laughing, but it doesn't sound like he's actually laughing. It sounds like he's trying to do it as an effect on his vocal to, to make it sound differently. So it feels a bit experimental this, like they're trying to do something a bit different with it. I'm not sure it all works. But it's um, but it's certainly interesting. No, absolutely. This is actually one of my my favourite songs, and it's a standout on this album for me. And you know, we've said a lot of nice things about the Friends Experiment, even though it's not uh, not always seen as one of their their high points. But I love the the chant. I think it's one of their best like chant songs. Eat Yourself Fitter is one out that people always go to, but I think this is just as good. Where they all just stop and do that creepy kind of like Wicker Man style chant and. Um, was it Beetle Bones and Smoking Stones? The bit that's like the uh, middle. Da, 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 da. Strawberry Fields Forever, right? Because there was a bit, there was somewhere that said that if you listen to the beginning of Lennon's version of uh, Be My Baby, there's a riff in there that sounds very similar. And I did have a listen, it is there, but I wondered how much it was a coincidence. Because there's a, there's also a Guided by Voices song called The Teenage FBI that starts off very, very similarly. So, so I think it's probably just. Yeah, maybe just a coincidence, but it's, it's kind of a great wonky, wonky riff. And um, love his, <laughs> love his obsession with conspiracies. You know, the the papacy one. He doesn't come back to JFK that much. And I think Steve, you're right. Probably it was watching that television program that kind of set him off by all accounts. But he, you know, he going on about Mark Twain and Walt Whitman. And, you know, I wonder whether this is to do with American myths and American kind of fictions. How do you how do you think that jury made up of putrid mass, embraced theory of triangle bullet lines turning in circles twice? Then incredible, marvelous exiting back of mind. So this is all kind of weird theories, isn't it? On the, on the bullet, on the, the multiple shooters, and, and all of those kind of things. Um, there's a great book called Lint, where the dude I think goes on for about two or three pages describing the path of the, the bullet, and it goes through several through several continents before it eventually makes its way out of the other side of uh, of that unfortunate president. It'd be interesting to peel back on this, uh, having actually been there at the uh, assassination of Lee Harvey Oswald. Apparently Peel was there, wasn't he? So I'd be happy to, to hear what uh, he says. But um, Ezra, what do you make of this? I think this is a great, lovely track. You know, I mean, the lyrics are always strong with the fall. But I think of today's bunch, lyrically, this is the best for me. And it, it, it's proper high comedy, or maybe we should say satire, embraces the scruffed corpse of Mark Twain, cheap rifle photo touched up, 
drawn on Sky, Oswald's head added on a commie tie. I think it should be a new standard for JFK theorists that they should include this song as a secondary piece of evidence. It's such a fascinating thing because I found out that this TV show, like this televised mock trial of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, that apparently uh, inspired Smith to write this song, the attorney for the, for the government, for the prosecution, was a guy called Vincent Bugliosi. And this guy is the guy who prosecuted Charles Manson. And there's this fantastic book I read. It's called Chaos. And the name of the author escapes me right now. I should have checked it before we started. It, it's a very, very good book. The dude who spent 15 years kind of researching this found a lot of dodgy stuff within the procedure of this trial. So much so that if it had been held to any kind of normal legal standard, it would have been kicked out of court and Manson would have gone free. I mean, that's not to say that he was in any way, shape or form innocent. He almost certainly wasn't. But this Bugliosi fellow is a very sketchy guy anyways, it seems. And yeah, you know, it, it gave me this great vision of Marky e. Smith heading a march on maybe the Supreme Court armed with a petition to <laughs> revoke <laughs> the, uh, the verdict in this trial. <laughs> So yeah, very, very funny song. Very <laughs> much like it. Let's hope that Gugliosi isn't a podcast fan or you might we might be down a man. He's dead. In the next. Yeah, he's not around anymore. I did that's read what, his book that's Helter what you Skelter, said. though. Well, he wrote a book about his trial prosecuting Manson and called it Helter Skelter. Uh, and then uh later on he wrote one called uh I think it's called Till Death Do Us Part about some other murder mystery he prosecuted and then he did one about the OJ Simpson trial and why OJ was guilty. So he has quite a long history in American jurisprudence. Many tentacles. Many tentacles, that's right. The tentacles stretch all over. What does the man who was there have to say? So he scrawled cumbersome and plodding, lethargic somehow, way too clean and nice but naff on the production. Mark sounds bored and the guitar is snoozeworthy. But under all that, there's a great song trying to get out. The backing vocals and everybody joining vocal bits sound like they come from a shit late 80s radio hit. Maybe Roxanne? If only it had a bit of a kick up the arse, I might be able to get a bit more enthusiastic. As it stands, I mostly enjoy it for the absurd lyrics and the bits of light and shared Mark adds in his delivery. Noted. Duly noted. Let us move on to Get a Hotel from the same album. Get a hotel today. Go get a hotel today. Get a hotel today Before the idea slips away Get a hotel Get a hotel today That was the first question raised It was the question raised Get a hotel Ezra, what do you make of this one? Well, you know, it's come to my intention that there's a whole subgenre of fall songs about hotels. And when it comes to that subgenre, this one certainly isn't guest informant. It, it, it's not so bad. I mean, I like the stuff about time melting like butter. And I was eating gravel when two cars put in. And the multi-track vocals are nice. But yeah, a bit longer than it needs to be. And that's about all I have to say there. Aye, aye. Alistair? Uh, it's kind of well worked out, some nice dynamics, um, some all right drums in there, good walking music, you know. Symbols 
not used very often in it. Mainly snow stuff. Uh, it's all right, you know. Yeah, it's not my favourite fall LP from that either, really. But yeah, it's all right. Do you think the symbols would have saved it, Alan? No, not really. No, I think I quite like it the way it is. I think <laughs> they did the right. Keep it minimal. Good, a good decision there from Funky Sai. Yeah, definitely. It might, it might have been made for him. Might have been overridden on the on the symbol yeah. question. Mm, pack it in with them fucking symbols. The song is perfect as it is. What's up with you? <laughs> just, just, just. Can you not? With the symbols, Phil. What, what do you think about the symbols? Oh, I like thereof. I guess, well, I've I've written a, a graph out for each symbol hit in the song with a, a score out of twenty five for them. I have a PowerPoint presentation I prepared if you just want to get comfy. I, th- um, I think it was an economic decision because they can be expensive to replace. You see, sticks as well take a bit of damage on a on a symbol. So you know you've got to think about the overall cost of you know rehearsals, recording. Are you going to need a new symbol? Let's let's you know pack it in, go easy on it. Save it for the I, I agree with Al. Well, I agree with Al. I think it's a statement about capitalism, isn't it? Obviously, the uh, the whole song. But although I did write in the chat, is this about monopoly? I, I don't know what he's on about. I, I don't know what the song's about at all, apart from getting a hotel. That's as much as I can kind of work out from that. The, the music seems uninspired, really, all the way through. It's lightweight, was the word I kept coming back to. There's a bit of a dozy sort of break in it, um, but halfway through. That seems to be the only thing it does. The rest of it is... Um, oh, no, there's, it, I, I like his use of the, the word nerdy-well. That's, uh, that, was, that was good. That was a high point in the song. But the rest of it, I, th- I think he commits the cardinal... Or they, they commit the cardinal sin in this, which is that it's ultimately forgettable as a song. And I, I think as a fall fan, that's the one thing we can't forget. So we, we listened to a song, Twister, that was a kind of B-side from this era a, few, a while back. That had that same noir-ish twang to it which um, got quite a lot of love this seems like a kind of a bit of a pale imitation of that kind of style I'm with you it doesn't doesn't really go anywhere and there's not many in that in that era that really just seems so labored they just it does it seems like they just can't get anything going and Smith's not helping with his lyrics on this one just can't get there there is very dull, very dull set of lyrics. Um, yeah, I do like the overall idea of the twangy kind of feel to it, but it just doesn't take off, sadly. Um, but that's just me, isn't it? Uh, what does Peel think? So he has scratched out, Jesus, this is shit. Just like Oswald, it sounds naff, but here there doesn't seem to be any ideas involved at all. Bland, tuneless, boring. The only bit that redeems it, to my ears, is the multi-tracked vocal bits. Mm, nice. Stevie, so you, you said this one kind of uh, did do a little bit for you. What, what's uh, your thoughts on this? What I really like about this one is kind of the, the noirish riff that they have and, and how it, it just starts out with the, the snare and the bass part. I, I, I do like the feeling that it, it sort of conjures. And for me, everybody's kind of dunking on the lyrics, but... For me, this one held together more as an actual narrative so far um, than than the other ones. I couldn't quite figure out what he was talking about. Uh, was it an affair? Was he hiding out from someone trying to kill him? Was he just getting a hotel to to pass the time? So that that kind of kept me kept me interested in it. And there was one part. There was a part around the headlights dowsing. I guess I, it reminded me of a soul coughing tune for some reason. There was just a 
maybe four bars or something that reminded me of something off of uh, Ruby Vroom. I, I guess I'm a little bit of a contrarian on this one. I think this one has some charms. It's interesting because um, we had Ezra's mate, Stu. Stu came on and uh, it was really interesting because he, I guess, is someone who maybe isn't as much of a fall fan and maybe you're, yourself, you're kind of, you know, you, you have an acquaintance and you have some love for some. He he kind of had a few songs where the rest of us were like, nah, this is an awful fall song. But he, he kind of really liked it. It was coming at it from a totally different perspective. So I think there's um, there's a lot to be said for that. Let's take a vote. Maybe this one's going to be a little bit more straightforward. Phil? Uh, yeah, it's got to be Oswald. Okie dokie. Alistair? Yeah, Oswald Defence Lawyer, even if it's only for the lyrics. Fair enough. Stephen? Uh, hotel. I'm getting a hotel today. Sweet. Ezra? Yeah, it's the Oswalds. And um, Peely? He's going for Oswald. Oswald wins. And uh, so also it is for me. And so Oswald goes through. Hooray. And we move on to the next track, which is I'm Not Satisfied. A Frank Zappa cover, if such a thing was ever done. first on this one if it's okay it was i didn't know it was a cover originally until he sang maybe i should kill myself and i was like there's no way smith uh, first of all it was just a bit too poppy to, to be an original and then when he wrote that i was like there's no way smith's writing that line so i had checked and it was, i was surprised it was zapper and I, I i do remember hearing it before and i really think the falls version is better than zappers we had listened to hungry freak study last week which was way worse than <laughs> In my opinion, uh, Ezra did not like my opinion on that, but that's fine. You know, we 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 came to blows and then we we made up, and we'll never speak of it again. I actually really liked this. It's it's the fall does like twee C eighty six indie pop like Hell and Love or the Field Mice or Felt or something like that. And if you put it in that context, if you made it, it sits really nice and it set me off on a, a bit of a listening spree of those kind of bands. Really like Smith's vocals, uh, the tambourines, the. Yeah, I wish they'd done more of this twee stuff because everything else I've heard off Cerebral Caustic has been shit. Boom. Ezra, you're next. Yeah, you know, I mean, this track's grown on me a lot and it was really interesting, the stuff that you mentioned about the C86 connection because I totally saw that. And, you know, it's another really fantastic thing about The Fall is the way that they cover stuff and their choice of covers and how they present those covers. Because it's like um, Lost in Music, which is another great fall cover. And it was kind of released right at the kind of in the heyday of the whole rave explosion. And so, you know, there's this kind of satirical undercurrent that like, you know, all these 
fucking munters are going out chewing pills and getting lost up their own assholes dancing to shit music. I'm rather fond of that kind of shit music. So, you know, but anyways, uh, and you, you can kind of almost see this as a kind of snipe at like the kind of grunge indie kind of scene at the time. Cause I think this was very much a kind of grunge album or a response to the grunge movement. And, it, you know, one thing I always, I've always loved about the fall is how they take these kind of genre markers and fuck with them. So it's a really good song. Unfortunately, it's not as good as their other Zappa cover, Hungry Freak's Daddy. But it is good that they obviously have taste in when it comes to Zappa because the first album is more or less the only good one they ever did that I've heard. Um, so that's good too. Okay. Sacrilege. I'm coming that to you, Stevie D. Stevie D is a huge <laughs> Zappa fan. And uh, Stephen, what would you like to respond to the gentleman's uh, claims? Well, first I'd like to address the song, which I think is unmitigated shite. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you've warmed up. <laughs> yeah, this just this one just didn't do it for me. Maybe Hungry Feeks. I'll go back and listen to Hungry Feeks because that's a great song. I think my favorite off that that first uh, record is Help I'm a Rock, um, which I think would be great as covered by The Fall. But this was uh, this was a real letdown for me. And I, I went back and and listened to the Freak Out version. And then there's also a version on Ruben and the Jets that they do in Walt's time, which was even better, I thought. Um, but this this one just just left me flat. And uh, there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of great records in in Zappa's Ovira, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, but a lot of people love that early mothers, that first mothers version um, of the band. So I'll give you a freak out if you like freak out. It's all yours, man. But this was garbage. Um, I, I didn't think it was possible for an opinion to be wrong. <laughs> but objectively, that one is, Stephen. So me and, me and Al were in an improvised band at the turn of the century called Rotter's Crimping, and we actually covered Help, I'm a Rock, um, based on the West Coast experimental art pop band's cover of it. And uh, Alistair's singing on it, it's fantastic. I'm going to share it with you. I would um, love to hear that. Alistair, you're up next. Yeah, help on my rock. I want to be a cock. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, well, first time I heard it, I, I was like, oh, God, no. The drums are just going, blah, blah, blah. You know, just repetitive. Uh, but, you know, then I started sort of picking up, you know, the, appreciating the, the, the music and not just listening to the rhythm. Ignored the drums a little. And, yeah, it's a decent little pop song. You can tell it's like a, an early 60s type thing, but, you know, you could easily sort of do like a, a, a damn good garage punk version of it, you know. Um, it's it, fairly well written, yeah. And for a fall cover, it's, it's not a bad one because some of them have been not the best. So, you know, and I know Peely always slags off the covers, uh, but I think this, this one's not too bad, really. And uh, clearly they must have a, a bit of a budget with the uh, the recording of it because the cymbals have been played all the way through it. So just think of all that work on the, the, the sticks and, uh, you know, it's not the sustainable way that we need to be living our lives, is it? It is. Uh, if you notice on the um, on the inside cover of Cerebral, Cerebral Caustic, it just says sponsored by Zidjan in big letters. Uh, well, there you go. I, I, it's not one they actually own, so there you go. <laughs> Well, trust me, that's true, what I just said. 
Uh, Phil, what do you make of this brilliant, fantastic cover? Uh, so, yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was a bit perfunctory, to be honest with you. I think that's I, all we've got time for, sorry. Um, thanks, we... it's been a great show, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, so I'm a, I've got a bit of a love hate thing with Zappa. Um, I think it comes from watching a documentary about Beefheart where there was a Beefheart roadie in it who says, uh, yeah, you know, Zappa, Zappa was fake and the funk Beefheart was the real deal when it came to the freak show. But uh, but the more that I listen to Zappa stuff, the more I like it. And I quite like the original of this. Um, I'm, I don't know what I've heard actually outside of that first album uh, by, by the Mothers, but um, it didn't really just, it just didn't take off for me, this song at all. It's uh, I, I, I thought it was an original the first time I listened to it and then I've repeatedly Listens, it was like you get a bit suspicious about it, don't you? I think I probably prefer the original to the cover. Bill, what do you make of Willie the Pimp then? I think he comes from a nice family. It's, uh, I think they look after their house, you know what I mean? Well, that's the least you can do, really. What does, um, what does Jonathan I'm Dead Peel think? Jangly cover that doesn't do much to justify its existence to my ears. It's fine, but I'm not moved. No, he's not moved. He's got a thing against yeah. covers. Hasn't he? Well, he is dead. Rigor mortis has set in. Um, still, moving on to, to a song which may, in many camps, be divisive, shall we say. Um, give us a blast of Ibi, if that's how you say it. Afro Man. Before that, it's about three or four minutes in. I will go on all day. You know how I feel. Uh, I, know, I quite like the monkeys actually. Because there's, there's more monkeys off, you know what I mean? That's cool. I mean, no rush. Carry on like that, that's quite a lot. That's a lot of Well, then that's value for money. Alistair, what do you make of the song Ibis? Afro man. Well, <clears throat> I didn't know much about it before, um, and I have kind of followed some of the stuff on the podcast Shelter thing, and there, there was a, a link to an Iggy song where the the, the lyrics are taken from, and the Iggy song was just like, "What the hell is this shit?" Um, I am really, yeah, uh, this isn't ticking boxes for me. This is uncool. I don't know like much about the Iggy song. I don't know if it's meant to be taking the piss out of racists or something. Um, 
And I don't know what to make of, of, of Smithy using him if he's just taking the piss out of Iggy, like, but he, he does it okay. But, you know, musically, loved it. Starts off sort of like sounding very, very similar to Black Change by Country Tees, who at least can context, well, they'll contextualise things uh, and put it from like the viewpoint of a certain generation looking at things in a certain way, you know, people thought at the time. But yeah, you know, it's got that kind of like cashmere type Zep progression to it. Love the dirty studio mad shit that's going on, noisy, chaotic, fun with overdubs, all the screaming, all the, the, the pig noise or monkey noise or whatever it is. It sounds it just reminds me of the baby from a razor head doing vocals for you. And you know, and that kind of thing should only be encouraged. Yeah, and after five minutes, it kicks into that. Like, there's a riff that reminds me of Pacemaker's Ballroom by Maisie Fed, which is a, a band that they had uh, some dealings with many years ago. Pig noise is a squealing thing. It reminded me of the uh, story about Madonna asking Richard James to produce him, uh, producer. Uh, I don't know if this is one of those urban myths or not, but he agreed to do it as long as she does. She did everything that uh, she was told to, and she couldn't sing, she could only make pig noises, which would have been an amazing LP. Maybe there's time for that laugh, yeah. Musically, it's brilliant. I love it. It's it, it's very much my cup of tea, yeah. It is splendid, and it did give me food for thought, even though I even before I knew it was linked to the <laughs> ridiculously racist Iggy Pop song. Um, I don't think I can give Iggy the benefit of the doubt on that one. I, I was absolutely gobsmacked when I heard it. It was just like, this is so uncool. This is just, no, you can't. <laughs> Do this and it's like I love so many LPs by Iggy Pop and now when I'm listening to it I'm going to have that in the back of my head tainted everything hasn't it yeah. but he's only yeah. got himself to blame that's all Jim but um, I actually think Smith whether intentionally or otherwise he's done something with the lyrics that, that they don't come across to me as being uh, racially kind of um, how can I say? I'll let it all this back. We shall look at Phil. Look at Phil grinning. Phil, what do you think of this song? I think actually, I think if Jim Davidson had covered the Iggy version, you know, he, he, right? What do you what do you make of this this song? It's a nice tune, isn't it? Do you know it's, uh, it's an Iggy Pop? Like it's, it's, it's connected to an Iggy no, Pop there's, song. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us felt comfortable listening to the Iggy Pop song. I did see some attempted justification of the Iggy Pop stuff, but the, the mental gymnastics required, I, I felt, were, were, were excessive. Um, I think, I, I, like you, I'm a bit more inclined to give Smith the benefit of the doubt uh, because he's, and a lot of the other Manchester bands, have got a, a track record of dealing with transgressive material, and it's it's kind of for the course of 20th century art isn't it you know to to dabble in the in the transgressive and to, and to you know sometimes it works sometimes it's a terrible mistake but you know it's that's that's you pay your money you take your chance a bit with uh, with that style of art don't you I, I think there's obviously the aesthetic is is a real hodgepodge of stuff that, that comes together in in this as a track on it and it's on right regardless of the kind of source material for his lyrics um, and I know you had some theories about kind of where, where the germ of the idea would come from about, um, you know, probably some hotel experience that Smithy had had. I'm, I'm glad Alistair picked up on the black change thing as well with the country teasers, because I, I thought that was an interesting irony or homage or whatever it is, because it's it's quite blatantly that that riff, whether it's deliberate or not, I don't know. But it's 
I know um, Satan is really getting the album that came off is before this, isn't it? So it's it's potential that that happened. It's one of the more bizarre collagey kind of pieces, isn't it? And it's it's difficult to kind of compare it and contrast with other songs because it's not really designed like that. It's it's it doesn't seem to be aiming to do that. It's it's challenging. And I think it's deliberately challenging um, and you've got to kind of pick it apart. But I, I don't know whether I like it or not, to be honest with you, by the end of it. It was, uh, and it's, I don't know whether you have to or not for it to kind of stand on its own two feet. It is what it is really, isn't it? I really liked it a lot. And the story that came into my head and I did see this, someone else had made this kind of same leap that I just imagine him being in like that hotel in Luton and not being able to get like any a knife and fork and just going off on a rant that just remembering this song and using it as a rant against the hotel <laughs> and uh, in that context it made me laugh but then yeah they, they when i did go to the iggy song it was just a bad taste in my mouth that i, I was like so musically i really did like it and the, the collage kind of effect making a lot out of not a lot basically just that one pounding kind of riff but unlike say get a hotel the they kind of like did enough with it to make it sonically interesting in my book. So, uh, yeah, I did kind of like it. Steve, what did you make of this? So I think uh, you and I talked a little bit about it last week. <clears throat> I think the first time I listened to it, I was just wondering, is he taking the piss on this or, or what? what's he doing here? Um, it seemed like uh, he was flirting with the avant-garde but, but didn't want to jump in the pool or... I'm not really sure where he was going with it um, at that time. Um, and then I, I sat with it a couple a couple more times. I mean, it really feels like there's um, two or three different songs kind of happening in here, right? Um, you've got the one that's like in the left channel when it starts, and then you've got the one in the center. And then about five minutes in, I think that that really nice riff kicks in in the second half. Um, so there's all kinds of things going on in this I didn't get a chance to listen to um, the Iggy Pop tune, but I did look at the lyrics. Um, yeah, probably best out of it. Yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think those would fly in today's climate. And, and even Mark, I think, is kind of skirting the line on his as well. I mean, they, they, it could be juvenile or playful or, or who knows what he was going for there. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, after after some listening, like I, I dig what's happening. It doesn't all come together for me. And I like that that sort of old cell phone noise at the end. It, it brought me back to like 2003. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling for those flip phones that didn't always connect. Or <laughs> If this was up against any other song than the previous one, it probably would have lost for me. But uh, today for me, this is a winner, I think. Right on. Yeah. Ezra, what, uh, what did this do for you? This is a glorious car crash of a piece of music. Um, and of all the tracks today, my opinion has shifted the most on this one. I mean, to start off with this whole like Iggy shenanigans business, that's, it's just ridiculous, that track. Um, and hilariously, the YouTubes, the comments, some of the comments are like, well, he had black people in his band then, so obviously he's not a racist. And I, I don't think that excuses it at all. Um, I've got no idea what Iggy was thinking, and it's utterly bizarre considering that he basically came up playing drums for rhythm and blues artists who were probably almost all African-American. And I, yeah, I just have We're back in that wonderful subgenre of hotel tracks, and they really seem to bring out the paranoia 
and it's great. And the, this track's great. Like the production's amazing. Like the first time I listened to it with a listening partner, I think you've left another tab on playing. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's just this track. <laughs> and it's wonderful the way it continues. And as Stephen mentioned, the glorious sound of like, you know, cell phone feedback or interference or whatever that is. And some great lyrics, like sometimes things can be too slow and the sky, the great sky channel above me, it looks so great. <laughs> and I got Xmas Island. I'm going to join the troops. When you look around, I sit down. <laughs> it's, it's fucking pure comedy genius. And I have to disagree with Steve when he says, like, they, they didn't really go balls deep on the avant-garde. I think that, like, when the fall go avant-garde, there's not really anything else that is quite as avant-garde as the fall being avant-garde. And this is a wonderful, fantastic example of that. The most avant of all the guards. Yeah, avant of the guards. Yeah, yeah, I do think the lyrics are funny. The Sky Channel. You can, he, he does a great job of, of mixing the two metaphors of being in the jungle, but also being in a hotel in Luton. I think and, if there's uh, another... Um, I think if there's another book to be written about the fall, it's interviewing people who were working at hotels when he stayed at them. <laughs> exactly. The bed, the bed sheet incident. Is that everyone? What about Peely? He's not going to like this, is he? Fuzzy <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, okay. He's written a bit of a scree on this. All right. This one's a mixed bag but at least it's interesting. I like it when the Fall do these cut-up type tracks. He's, he's lying, isn't he? With different tape sources assembled into colliding masses, following in the grand lineage of Spectre, paintwork, etc. The rising chromatic riff is relentless, so you can't say I find it very interesting lyrically, but I like Mark's delivery in all the parts, and I like the way his voice seems to have a different texture in each of the parts. Then there's a few minutes of fucking monkey screeching, which seems gratuitous to the extreme, and actually takes away from the whole thing. After that bit, the cut to what sounds like a soundboard recording with overdubbed vocals and a wank announcer is fine, but overlong and a bit dull. A mixed bag overall, and I don't really feel like listening to more than the parts pre-monkey, but at least it's interesting, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting that none of us really dwelled much on the fact there's <laughs> several minutes of monkey noises in the middle of this song. <laughs> but, uh, but that, that, when that, you just posted it up, the first thing Peely said was monkey screech intensifies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at least the screeching was uh, rhythmic. At least, yeah. At least it had that going for it. They were hitting the monkey in time with a stick. It's just part of the drum kit, that. It's a technique. Psychologically mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> frowned upon. Uh, that's the part we that that's the bit of this song will be judged for in years to come. But yeah. um, well, like hitting a monkey, it, it makes a drumstick last a lot longer than hitting a tom or a cymbal, so it makes sense. It's soft, it. isn't it? Soft, soft flesh. Mm. Uh, me and Steve were talking about the chromatic, that kind of almost always ascending kind of bass. Now we looked into shepherd tones, which are those tones that are like an they're a they're kind of a, an aural illusion and they seem like the, the tone is constantly rising. This has kind of got that feel, which is, uh, was really nice. Um, let's take a vote. Stephen, what are, you, what are you going on this? I'm going with Ibis. Okay, interesting. Philip? I'm, uh, I'm going to have to go with Ibis, really. Mm. It's, uh, it's not a cover. Exactly. Although it's heavily riffing on a cover. It's more or less a cover, <laughs> to be honest. But, but no, I'll give it you. Alistair. Go for Ibis, if, uh, for nothing else. 
but the, uh, the the monkey pig noises was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Ezra on board with the Ibis Afromania. Yeah, Peely. Ibis wins. Yeah, and I am. Even though I said a lot of nice things about the uh, Zappa cover, I'm also going with Ibis because I do think it's a in- more interesting track. So it's a clean sweep against all odds, and we're going into the final straight. Hit us up with Tommy Shooter of Imperial Wax Solvent, if you don't mind. fucking perfect and also the enunciation of uh, like my friend it's really great and you know the clouds are darkening with wings of chickens reduce your knees to noodles your doberman pinches to poodles it's champion it's real proper fucking champion business and you know as a side note it's interesting to note that we also this is the second occasion we have of chickens coming home to roost because that was also in two by four it's it's a great brooding like garage fucking rash of destruction love it sweet sweet uh stevie what do you make of tommy shooter i agree with ezra i i love this one uh when that riff kicks in it makes me want to yeah get in there and mark comes in sounds like uh the years are starting to to wear on him but he still comes in heavy as he can in this one i noticed i'm sure he probably this is his thing but he doesn't really pay attention to where the bar lines are like if it ends the progression ends he's still like kind of moving on with whatever he's got to say so he's he's kind of all together but then he comes in for whenever the, the the chorus is there um, he kind of sounds like an old man, like get off my porch, you know. But I do, I do love it. Um, it hits with a punch, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. And I, I like the full, the full sound of the production as well. It's yeah. really solid playing from everybody. So, what do you make of a Tommy Shooter? It's a solid number. It, it, it gets better with each listen. I think the first time I listened to it, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But the the more I've uh, more time I've given it, the more uh, stuff's jumped out and and it's kind of hooked. I, I I really like the lyrics. I think it's it's great thumbnail sketch storytelling Smithy, which is is really good for some kind of dark underbelly of uh, of society kind of story. Um, I, I did really, really like the lyric, clouds are darkening with the wings of chickens coming home to roost. thought that was a great line. Um, but my favourite bit in the whole song is the very intro, the uh, the, the little uh, 
Doctor Who from the eighties keyboard opening to the song, which uh, which <laughs> it just got me. Thought Peter Davison was going to appear and uh, have some kind of bloated sci-fi adventure. Great, Alistair. Yeah, I like this one as well. It's a <clears throat> solid pop tune. Noisy, synthy keyboard stuff in there that, that I quite like. Could be a bit louder. But yeah, it, it seems to be like the, the, the riff is like mainly the keyboard with the guitars like really, really minimal. But that's one of the things that works really well for the guitar, I think, on it. Uh, it's not too fancy pants or trying too hard. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's nice and simple. He's kind of, he sounds like a, a bit of a preacher at times with his delivery, like kind of like pulpit stuff, uh, fire and brimstone. But yeah, it, it does seem like it's it's one of those, where I think we watched the video the other week where it was Smith talking about sitting in a pub and uh, looking at people and then getting annoyed and then going back the next day and, you know, writing down stuff. And, yeah, and he's, he, he must have come across some kind of character like uh, Big Vern out of The Viz. And he's uh, found it quite amusing, so, you know, written a song about it. Uh, at least that's, that's what I can uh, glean from that. Good tune. I, at first, I thought it was um, him sitting, just writing down a film. He just just writing down like everything he saw. And I felt like watching The Long Good Friday and just writing bits down. But it seems like maybe he has. He did um, pull it together from, from his own storytelling faculty. I really enjoyed the lyrics, but my first couple of uh, notes were competent, mediocre rubbish. I did come round in the end, but I still think it suffers from a lot of that era of the, it just needs to be a bit more raw for me. You've said this a bunch of times and now I love them. If they'd record it in Torag or something, it had a bit more bite to it. But it actually, I came around to it. I really like the tune now. And I think Smith's performance is really committed and, and spot on. And I do think reduce your knees to noodles, your doorman pinches to poodles is is one of his great lyrics. Yeah. So all in all, pretty good stuff. What about Pete? Does he like this one? It would seem so. He says, I dig this one. No pissing about, just a stomper. Not exactly a classic, but lyrically it's funny. Knees and noodles and poodles and sitting chickens. The kind of song that is good outside of the album, but better on it. Nice. Well, let's move on then without any further ado to the final track this evening. Funnel of Love. version they're all good ezra you seem to have a bit of a soft spot for this wonder well, jackson a, cover tell us more this is, this is infallible this piece of music um yeah it, it, it's interesting because i was reading on um this uh, website which i'm sure many of us are familiar with quietus they do a thing called the baker's dozen and they had this fella who's he was in a band called ride 
And anyways, he's talking about a cover by this uh, rich boy band called uh, the Baristas Three. And he's like saying, oh, yeah, you know, in those days, uh, we didn't have um, internets. And so the way you found out about other good music was by hearing covers performed by bands that you were into. And I think with The Fall, even in the days of the internet, th this really holds up because, you know, like, if I hadn't heard F Holding Money by The Fall, if I hadn't heard this, I would have never known who Wanda Jackson was, who was the original writer. But this piece of music in and of itself, it's fantastic. It's great. It's got theremin sounds. It's got a crunchy organ sound. It's got a great break. Great fucking vocals from Marky e. Smith. It's like, you know, it just makes me want to dance on tables. It's fantastic. Sparkling. Blended. Alistair, what do you think? Yeah, I really liked it. I, w I was aware that it was a cover, but I didn't know who the original was by. I, I, because I think the way that they played it in a more kind of like rockabilly, rock and rolly kind of way. Um, I was just thinking it sounded like a, you know, it could be a Sonic song or something like that. Yeah, I loved all the feedback in it, all the uh, the, the noise, uh, the whammy Link Ray kind of stuff, and the tremolo effects on the guitar. Really groovy. For, for some reason, I've written down on it. Acid is groovy. Kill the pigs. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good song. Shame it's a cover. Shame it's a cover. That integrity is going to kill you one day, Alistair. Stevie D, what do you make to this? This is a far better cover than I'm not satisfied. I love the bouncy riff. Really, a great tune. I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever heard this tune. And after listening to it, I went back and listened to the the Wanda Jackson version, which was great. I think it's such a a well written tune that no matter who does a cover, it's probably going to end up sounding really good. Um, but I'm yeah, more about that Lindy Pauper one. Oh, I didn't listen to that one, so don't quote me. <laughs> but the Wanda Jackson I liked. I'll go back and listen to Cindy after that. Um, but but I, I do love the Falls version on this. I think they they did a great job with it, and uh, I think the right channel guitar had some really good stuff. Nice, nice, Philip. What do you reckon? Well, I probably like everybody else who's who's commented. I love the original of this. The, we've we've mentioned Wanda Jackson before, haven't we? I don't know what, what reference it was, but it's a great song. It is a great solid song, and this is a really good performance. I think that the fall get it right with this. When they when they nail a cover, they do really really great versions that uh, that, that really sort of jump um, and ping and pop. And um, I, I think it, they get everything right here. It's the, I love the swamped feedback all the way through this. It's it's glorious. Just everything is just a little bit deranged, isn't it, in the song? And it really bounces along. It's uh, we we were all kind of nodding away as as uh, as the music was playing there and. Yeah, it's the kind of music that gets you excited. It's great. Um, I've simply written the word dull. What does... Um, what does well, I think you realise you could get an opinion wrong, Brendan. I'll <laughs> be at it today. So <laughs> what does Peel think? Well, I think he's wrong as well. Another mediocre cover version of a song I don't really want to hear in the original either. doesn't do anything that interests me at all. So there you go, he's sacked. Well, there the bag finally, hasn't he, after a morning for the last hour now actually i did come around to it and i do think it, it, it does have a lot of charm and i i really did like what you said though about the noisy kind of deranged the front in the background and kind of gets noisier and noisier towards the end i really uh really did dig that part and i love the original and i'm not sure about cindy's version but uh, i'll give that 10 or 20 spins before i make a decision but let's so take a vote a podcast Exactly. Upcoming, the Cindy bracket. Who is um, 
Are we going to put a cover through here, though, is, is the real question. So, Phil, where are you going? I, I'm a bit stuck with these, but uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stick to uh, the, the rod that I've placed up my back and, uh, and, <laughs> and go with two one to Tommy. Fair enough. You know, when the Gene Vincent played live, they literally did teletape a, a microphone stand up to his back so he didn't collapse so that they could get him on stage for like two minutes and then claim that he'd actually performed. It's apparently true. And he was a big fan of Smith's um, or vice versa. <laughs> Alistair, what do you think of these two? Which one are you going with? Oh, uh, Tommy. Okay. Azra, try your tears. Which one are you going with? You boys have got it all wrong. <laughs> all wrong. <laughs> All wrong. <laughs> so Three notes, a funnel of love. Tommy, Tommy's great, and chicken wings are awesome, but it's got to be funnel of love. Alrighty, let's see, shall we, Stevie? This was a tough one for me too. I I really do like uh, funnel of love, but I'm going with Tommy Shooter. And I think Peely made it somewhat clear that he's a Tommy Shooter man. Puritans. And Ezra, I'm going to give you a pity vote, and I'm going to come with you on your on your boat through the funnel of love. Just so let's strap in. For the ride of our lives. But unfortunately, Tommy does go through. So that means this evening and this day of Hex, Oswald Defence Lawyer, our friends, Ibis uh, Hotel Man, Hotel Afro Man, off um, whatever it's off, are you a missing winner? And Tommy off um, Tommy Shooter, Imperial Wax Solvent, go through. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it tonight. It was a fun ride. You're invited back anytime. We'll see you at some point in the future. We'll be Look doing this for many to years to go. And uh, <laughs> chaps, uh, thank you. Take care. Anything to say? Goodbye. Oh, get a cover through. <laughs> As always, we uh, we really nail that ending. So uh, bye. See you, everyone. See you. Uh, see you.
Okay. 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 Okay.